specific garden help you need. From three of the top experts in the Mid-South, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning, Mid-South Gardeners. Glad you're with us this morning. You're here with Jim and Kenneth and Veda. I moved to the top of the list. I'm yeah, so what happened? Excited. Well, I know, right? <laughs> and you went to the bottom. I did, I did. And the funny thing is, I was listening to what we said last week, and I introduced myself as me. <laughs> well, there you go. And I was first. Good That's morning, right. me. <laughs> good morning. Okay. And Jim, good morning to you. And good morning, And Kevin. did y'all notice driving in this morning? You know, we say this every year. It wasn't quite as dark. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was asleep as while it, I was well, driving. You need to wake up. I know. Next time, next weekend when you're driving in, I'm telling you, you know. Just a smidge of lightning. Yeah, two weeks ago. Ago, it was pitch dark yeah. driving in so the days are getting a little longer okay, guys it won't be long i'm getting that spring fever and uh i'm feeling like it's not quite as ahead uh, as head as it was last year seemed like we were a little more into the greenery having greenery well we obviously just went through we a, went through 10 days last you know right. but these what about those two days we had this week that were just absolutely beautiful y'all oh, no. i mean the sun came out and we we're out there poking around i'm thinking you know just a few days ago we were mm-hmm. shoveling snow out here i know and now it's, you could actually be out here with a pair of shorts on and a t-shirt and feel fine how quickly we forget good lord jim mm-hmm. and and, and, and it go- ain't over yet. No, no i know it my mom always said some of the coldest days of winter were in march because <laughs> it feels like it. Well, How come know, the, 40... the largest snow they ever had here was on the first day of spring, March twenty first and twenty second? It is crazy, and that's why everybody says if you can grow anything here in the mid south, you can grow it anywhere in the world, and that's because of the mm-hmm. weather, no uh, doubt. Yeah, I noticed on um, Fred Dree's availability for annuals and all. He now they had this little clip on there on the bottom that said. If you're going to bring them in now and have nowhere to put them. Come on, bringing in annuals. Yeah, yeah, no covered space to put them in. Don't get them now That's because right. it's, gonna, <laughs> it's gonna going happen. to have uh, some little issues. Well, and we talked about this the last couple of weekends, uh, and we're still getting a lot of phone calls, which is fine. And uh, a lot of uh, samples being brought in by customers of burnt tissue. Uh, from that extreme weather we had. You know, lower petalums are fried. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Distilliums are fried. Mm-hmm. Gardenias are fried. Wax leaf ligustrum. Are fried. Mm-hmm. I mean, and but the good thing is, and like I was telling a customer yesterday, mostly everything that I've seen, mostly everything mm-hmm. is just the foliage that's fried, okay? Right. But if you go out there and scratch the stems, they're still good and mm-hmm. fleshy and green up under there. Now, when it comes to the gardenias, I've seen both. I've seen some gardenias where every leaf is burnt, fried, to the crisp, okay? And I scratched some of them, and they're still good and green and fleshy. But on a lot of them, mm-hmm. even the, the tissue in the limbs uh, is, is dying back. So out of all the evergreens that are out there and all the shrubs that are showing these horrible symptoms of, you know, being so cold, I think it's really the gardenias that took mm-hmm. the brunt, where the other ones I think they're going to flush right back out this spring. Now, we might have to do some tip pruning out there, but mm-hmm. overall— Everything, even though as bad as it looks, superficially, yeah. everything is pretty healthy out there. You know, I was surprised someone said that the best gardenia they had was gardenia radicans, which is the Low dwarf growing. one that is the one of the most cold, intolerant of them all. 
but it was under 10 inches of snow. Mm-hmm. So it was protected. Yeah. We, it was a real blessing that we had that mm, snow cover. Absolutely. You know, because it kept the soil from getting as cold as the air temperature. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right. I think a lot of just superficial damage. Now, mm-hmm. I did actually go out and dissect some hydrangea buds. Mm-hmm. And the first one I did was a um, lady in red that's in full sun. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the very top ones are dry. There's nothing there. But I got buds down lower mm-hmm. on the plant where the buds are good. They're yeah. going to come and they're going to bloom. Now, my um, most of my mop heads are in shadier areas. Right. And buds look good. Good. Um, yeah, I was talking to I a customer yesterday okay. about that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that we put our hydrangeas in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't even have to think about that at all. But we had a gardenia. Because we piled some shrubs together, laid them over each other, put a cloth mm-hmm. over it. So when it iced, it made a, a greenhouse. A tent. Yeah, a tent. Mm-hmm. And when we opened everything up, we had actually had Laura Petalums kind of on the outside. They were crispy, oh, but then were... the middle, that gardenia was just as pretty and green, as mm-hmm. happy as can be. Well, there. but two years so, ago, remember, we had that uh, those two nights in November that just froze uh, hydrangeas to the ground. I mean, and there was basically not a mop head that bloomed in the city. Uh, and people were freaking out because, like, what's wrong with my hydrangeas? Well, it was the weather there again. Uh, but this year, and you would think that they would be so mm-hmm. susceptible. Like Jim says, they don't mind cold weather. Mm-mm. They just don't like those sudden freezes. But the ice and the snow did insulate a lot of those buds uh, on the hydrangeas. And the beauty of it also is the canes wasn't frozen down to the ground. And yeah. we also were fortunate with the fact that it rained first. Yes. So, so our soil was moist. Then we had the ice, and then we had the snow. Now, if we had went to that cold weather with no rain, no ice, and no snow, I think it we would have had a banner year for nurseries. Yes, yes. <laughs> we wouldn't need to really stock up All because right, so everybody's stuff would and, be And gone. I've been telling people that, you know, as lower pedlums and the, and the shrubs we just mentioned, as bad as they look, I mean, you can go out there with a little broom and knock the old leaves off if you want, if it's, mm-hmm. if it's bothering you, just for, you know, aesthetic reasons. But uh, overall, just leave them alone. You can go out there and feed them with a little plant tone, a little organite, mm-hmm. give them a little energy to really flush out this spring. Uh, and a lot of that foliage is going to naturally fall, fall off anyway. Uh, but I'm telling you, a lot of people, they're so impatient. They don't mm-hmm. like that look out there, Veda, right. Jim. So, um, but the leaves are going to fall off. And then you're going to get, of course, new growth this spring. Some um, things might take till summer to it, look but right. But eventually they yeah. will fall off. Yeah, you so, don't have to go out there and take those leaves off. Right, right. And then that comes into the fact that, especially people that aren't really gardeners, they're more like their landscape done and they're enjoying it, but they don't have to work in it. They're usually the ones that want that damaged stuff gone mm-hmm. <laughs> because my yard needs to look good right now, which is fine too. Just more work to do. I mean, gardening is definitely a year-round project. But we I are was, dealing with nature. But like I said, I was really pleased by, you know, just giving everything the old scratch test um, mm-hmm. and the samples that the customers were bringing in that, I tell you, you know, 99% of the stuff I looked at, uh, it looks like it's going to be just fine. Now, like I said, we're going to have a little bit of burn mm-hmm. on the tissue out there as far as the limbs. We know that. Uh, but as far as major damage, in which I cannot believe, to be honest with you, as cold as it got. Mm-hmm. But as far as major damage, um, we can really came through pretty good on yeah. this. You so know? I think I'm going to, some of the things that were stressed a little bit, I'm going to add the root stimulator 
the root stimulator, the uh, Super Thrive, mm-hmm. with the seaweed. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be helpful. And maybe some compost around, too. Just some things to maybe build some more roots or to get it to come out or flush out faster. Or just to give it more energy in general to, you know, flush out. I want them to drop those old leaves quickly and put on new ones. No, you're not going to run out there this time of year and use a quick-release fertilizer mm-hmm. like a triple 13 yeah. or a 6 12 You're going to use something that's slow-release, like mm-hmm. an organic. Uh, that way the soil can break it down and the plant will use it when it needs yeah. it, right? You're right. not going to force it to flush out but prematurely. It, it won't break down until the soil temperature gets on up around 60 when yeah. the bacteria mm-hmm. works. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, even the did, did, did even science change that? I had heard forty five, but like we say, well, science. <laughs> yeah, the bacteria really doesn't get kicking until mm-hmm. it has to break down synthetic ones. Now, mm-hmm. if you're using nitrate of soda, nitrates nitrates are mm-hmm. plant absorbable at any soil temperature. Okay, so, so you wouldn't want to use that this early in the season. No, unless you're doing greens. Right, or, but I mean, like on your shrubs like that, that are right. looking bad, right? The but, edible greens. Yes, that's what you mean. Yeah, right. is that a little secret? The sodium of nitrate for greens? Nitrate of soda because it's available quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if you're, you know, for your shrubs and stuff, I checked um, Thursday morning and soil temperature at four inches in the sun Mm -hmm. was about 52 to 54 degrees. Mm -hmm. That's still cold. Yeah. Okay. And in the shade, it was 48. Mm -hmm. So it's got to come up a ways. Right. And we're going to have some more cool to cold weather i promise you yeah mm-hmm. so I don't mean, put tomatoes right in the ground no yet. the the long-term forecast is we're going to it's going to ripple again the jet mm-hmm. stream and we're going to have a cold spell towards the end of the month yeah so, so uh, be patient the end of the month is march but we really don't start planting till around april 15th that's, on the annuals that's a good plan yeah so we'll just stick with that but we're still good at planting other things oh, absolutely. we just don't want to do tropicals and summer annuals right All right, we're going to run to a break real quick. Y'all need to give us a call at 260-5926 or look us up on Facebook Live. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We're so glad you're joining mm-hmm. us this morning. You can watch us on Facebook Live as well. A lot of people do that. And give us a call, 260-5926, 260-5926. I know we've got a lot of topics to go over, but I was listening to our show, and I don't. we were talking about the image, and I said before we went on a break, now don't we need to, isn't there something where we've got to water it? Yeah. After and we didn't ever get to go back to that. Yeah. So, no, yeah. Images. Yeah. Um. It's a uh, a very broad spectrum herbicide. Kills weeds. Uh, the beauty of image and Jim Beta, y'all know this. It kills broadleaf weeds. You know anything that's got a little leaf on it, like clover and dandelions, henbit, chickweed, those kind of weeds. It kills quite a few grassy type weeds, especially poana this time of year and crabgrass later on. And it will also kill nutgrass, which is really good. And the another attribute of image is you can use image in certain ground covers and around certain ornamentals, not all of them, but some, and it won't hurt them. Like, for example, if you had nut grass growing in your monkey grass, mm-hmm. you could spray the monkey grass bed down. It kills the nut grass and not the monkey grass. Uh, but predominantly, we still sell it for lawns, of course. Yeah. 
But the the hoops you got to jump through is if you ever use image, uh, no rain for at least 24 hours after you apply the product. But any time after that 24-hour period, within a week, mm-hmm. within seven days, it needs to get watered in. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. In Memphis, we have to try to make that happen? Yeah. So <laughs> no rain for 24 hours if you ever use Image. Uh, but after that 24-hour period, like I said, within seven days, it needs to get watered in to get the product down to the root shoot zone, Jim. Is that what they call it? Yes. And then in three weeks, if you need to, come back <clears throat> and reapply the product. Now, Great product. The only drawback, if you're asking me, because I got to have things happen yesterday, yeah. is it works slow. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see a kill within 24 hours like you will on some of these other herbicides. Right. Yeah. When we when we put out uh, image for nut grass, mm-hmm. that was definitely something to explain to the client. Because, of course, they want to see it going down immediately. So do I. And I'm telling them it's going to be about a week before you see something. Or two. Yes. And this was summer, so we got, we got to get away with a week, basically. And she calls back and said, boy, did that work. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, after we killed it out, cleaned it up and all of that, it still came back. It took us a number of times to really get it out of the bed. Yeah, when you're talking about nutgrass and, and some weeds, uh, it's a process of elimination. Uh, you can kill everything that's above ground, but you still have those nuts that are underground that are mm-hmm. going to come up later on. Uh, kind of like violets, you know, when you're spraying 2,4-D or whatever to kill violets. You're not going to do it with just mm-hmm. one application. Right. Same thing with nutgrass. Well, that was the other thing in the nutgrass area is um, sometimes poor soil causes it compact soil or it gets too wet or there's not enough mm-hmm. humic acid or, or organic matter in it. So we did amend the bed also and eventually no problem. And let me say this also. Typically, typically images used in a lawn, like we said. Now, if you've got nutgrass, and eventually people will, if you get nutgrass in your beds, um, you can go out there and spot treat uh, with sedge hammer uh, in ornamental beds. Um, and it does a great job, I'm telling you. And that's just a spot treat only. Uh, but there are products that you can use to kill nutgrass in particular in beds. And there are products that you can use to kill nutgrass in your lawn because Back in the day, <laughs> if you ever got nutgrass, more or less you just moved, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, that was the only way to get rid of it. Yes, and Jim is here with us this morning. I'm We've here. just been talking away. And, and, and also, <laughs> and Jim, and, Veda, and we talked about this also, but I just want to say it again. Uh, a lot of the early spring weeds are coming up in people's lawns. We're talking about chickweed, which has the little white bloom, small leaf, uh, dead nettle or, or hen bit that has the purple bloom. Uh, clover, you know, is really Mm -hmm. coming up right now, Uh, and a broadleaf weed killer. Uh, You can go out there, as long as it's not going to rain for 24 hours, needs to be above 45 degrees at least to work. Come back in 10 days, two weeks, and spray. But, uh, you know, weed-free zone, weed beater ultra, uh, image all-in-one, which is another type of image, all of those products will kill those broadleaf weeds. And it works just a little slower in Mm -hmm. cold temperatures. But like I said, if it's above 45 degrees, most of those products are going to work for you. True? Yeah. Yeah, We're like... The one thing you want to watch with image is you don't want to use it when the grass is in its transition, either going into or out of dormancy. The way that it works, it stops cell production. And you could... I like that. Stunt. Stop cell production on a weed. Yeah. Bam. You you (laughs) could stunt your grass. And if you overdid it, you could actually damage it. Mm Um, so I used to work for Central Garden and Pet, and they actually own the company that manufactures Image. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they looked at one time having a growth retardant label for it because if you go out and spot spray Bermuda, you can watch that little patch where you sprayed and your Bermuda won't grow for about six weeks. Mm. But what they found was in tests that people would go out and they would spray and then they would overspray and mm-hmm. then they come back and get an area again mm-hmm. and they couldn't get it consistent with a hose in type sprayer, which is mm-hmm. what it was going to have to do. It with. Wow. Okay. So uh, they never did, you know, follow up on that. Okay. Yeah, so somebody just heard that if you spray the image, then your Bermuda doesn't come back out of it for six weeks, basically. So. They're going to want to spray their whole lawn to slow the grass down so they don't have to mow as much. <laughs> Does that work? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, they'll send you the bill when the grass yes. doesn't come back out at all. Right, right. <laughs> but just like you said, Jim, just be careful using that particular product during the transition period when the grass is coming out of dormancy and when it's going into dormancy. So right now, it's still into dormancy yeah. except for maybe the edges. So we're good right now, but after this week of beautiful, hot, well, hot compared to what we've had, warm weather, you think we'll start having it? coming out of dormancy well i think if you start seeing a little bit of green along for concrete you know yeah. i think yeah, yeah so you will in fact good. i've still got zoysia that's green it never mm-hmm. went totally dormant um, and that's and that brings another thing a lot of people are under the belief that they can go out there this time of year and it's happened many many times and oh, spray their yes. whole yard oh, uh, with roundup <laughs> because roundup only kills what's green and growing and technically if you spray a dormant lawn roundup's not going to hurt the dormant lawn mm-hmm. well it might appear to be dormant. Yeah, that's right. But that doesn't mean that your lawn is dormant. So yeah, there never... is green tissue inside that Bermuda grass, okay? It has carbs stored there to kick those buds off first in the spring. Yeah. So it's almost like I can't, I shouldn't use it. <laughs> no, you can spot treat. You know, you can go out there true. and spot yeah. treat your lawn with Roundup. But keep in mind, even though your lawn might look dormant, that does not mean that your lawn is completely dormant. So... Whatever you do, don't go out there and spray your whole lawn thinking you're not going to hurt it. Only kill what's green and growing using something right. like Roundup. We always recommend spot treat anyway. It's much better, more efficient, and you don't waste everything. Better for the environment. Yeah, that right. too. And I know we got just a couple minutes, but I was talking to a customer yesterday. That came out of my mouth. Did you I hear me know. Say that? I was like, should I say something about that? Good <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> for the environment. Yeah, and it, way to go, Jim. Yeah. Uh, he's turning a corner here. Yeah. Um, Guy, this shirt I'm wearing says herbicides, love them or leave them. Does it really? <laughs> you know, it I believe them. it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. A uh, gentleman brought in a sample of a uh, of some soil, and we did a pH test for him. And the pH was around 5.2. Well, this was part of a lawn that he mm. took this uh, soil sample out of. Not a Pachysandra bed or a blueberry bed that wouldn't mind this <laughs> acidic soil. Bed, yeah. Right. So he was around 5'2", which is extremely acidic uh, for a lawn, especially if you're trying, well, any lawn around here, mm-hmm. Bermuda, Zoysia, Fescue, Centipede, St. Augustine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he would go out there and he would water the lawn. He would, he would cut the grass. He would feed it every six weeks religiously. And it never would really do anything, mm-hmm. guys, because that pH was so low. So we got to talking about putting lime down. You know, 40 pounds of lime per 1,000 square feet to raise that pH about half a point. So he's going to have to do it more than mm-hmm. one time. But I said, I promise you, you get this pH, pH up around 6.5, you're going to have the lawn that you never had. Doesn't it feel good to let someone leave with the diagnosis yes. that you could tell immediately and knew something would happen if they just put the lime down? Mm-hmm. That feels good because sometimes they leave and you're... 
They do everything right except never get the pH check. Perfect. All right, I'm gonna run to a break. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You're here with Veda, Jim, and Kenneth. In the Dan West Garden Studios this morning. Yep, Dan West, uh, the sponsor, and Veda, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yep. yep, and let's see, I'm with Palladio. You can find Jim on Mid-South Gardening Zone 6, 7, and 8 on the Facebook page and find Kenneth at Dan West. Yeah, and I tell you, and, I, and I've said this a million times, is, Jim, I can't tell y'all how good that mm-hmm. is on Facebook. It's coming along very And, and I'm not a Facebook person, and I'm not even mm-hmm. an Internet person, that per se, but uh, when I do get on Facebook, the, and my wife set the account up for me, thank mm-hmm. you, um, is... When I go to y'all's webpage and I start reading about the, you know, the pictures and the questions, mm-hmm. and then I can go to your, you know, all your information, it, it is it is unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's really the best gardening webpage. And I'm not just saying that because you're sitting here that I've that I've been around. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, it's really good. Well, also on his page, he does have people from the Tennessee Master Gardeners uh, posting on there, too. And um, plus of people from all around that take pictures of plants that we may not get to grow here. Mm-hmm. And so it's really enjoyable that way. So you'll need to check that out as well. And eventually you'll see some pictures of crepe myrtle bark scale on there. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought no, we had the, after last year that... We had one just this week. Well, there you go. And I've had a couple of people come in, you know, why is, why is everything under my crepe myrtles black? And why is the trunks on my crepe myrtles black? You know, last year, they didn't seem like, and Jim, we didn't see quite as much activity right, when it came right. to crepe myrtle bark we scale. We did not have to talk about it a lot no, last not, year. We're reaching that herd immunity. Well, maybe, but it seems like, but it seems like <laughs> already this year, you know, I'm hearing a good bit about our, our concerns about crepe myrtle bark scale. So, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, I don't think it's crazy like it was when it first came, you know, the outbreak came out, you know, eight or 10 years ago, whenever it was. But, I mean, just by what I'm already hearing and and talking to customers, it seems like this could be another pretty bad year for crepe myrtle bark Mm -hmm. scale. And then I heard y'all discussing uh, that the labels changed some. Yeah, that's what Kenneth was saying. Well, and, and what I meant, we meant by that is, for crepe myrtle bark scale, which is an insect, a type of scale that gets on your crepe myrtles. Does that, the label specifically mention crepe myrtle bark scale or just? I don't think so. I didn't think so. Um, but if you read about it, what they, you know, most people, anytime we had scale on camellias or hollies, whatever, <laughs> we could go out there and just spray an oil spray, come back in two or three weeks, spray again and, and, and kill the scale. Well, crepe myrtle bark scale is a little harder to kill. For some reason, especially when it, with, with just an oil spray. In fact, they mm-hmm. say that even oil sprays are not that effective against crepe myrtle bark scale, unless you back it up with something else. And the something else is that product called tree and shrub insect dredge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got imidacloripid in it, uh, but it's a product that you mix and pour around the crepe myrtle. You pour at the base. At the base, just right around the trunk of the crepe myrtle. Uh, you measure the circumference, uh, you know, of each trunk, uh, add that together, mix the product with water, and just pour it. And it's really easy to do. And the beauty of tree and shrub insect drench is you only do it really one time per growing season, once a year. And you may get lucky because we're seeing particularly 
in some insects, we're getting up to three years control. Absolutely. Good grief. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. You know, one thing that I've always been curious of is, is the feeder roots and all that from a tree or a shrub is out farther than, um, you know, like the around the drip line or out a little farther. So why are they telling you to pour this right around the trunk of the tree? Right, Jim. I don't know. Da-da. Because it, it's easily absorbed by the tissue underneath the tree. There you okay. go. What happens? Okay, in fact, we had a discussion on, on the Facebook group uh, just yesterday about the best time to apply it. And some, several uh, well-known horticulturalists said, let's, it should be put down in April and May because that's when the the eggs are hatching and the larva is uh, is starting to feed, and that's when they're easiest to kill. And from what I've read, the research I've done, that it's actually better to put it down in January and February. Here. Even though you can do it any day of the year. Yeah, as long as the ground is not either water-sogged, water-sogged <laughs> or frozen. Right. And frozen is the key there because... He, in, in the United States, you've got a label that's being sold everywhere. Right. And a chunk of the United States is still frozen until mm-hmm. April. And, and if you pour it on frozen ground, it runs off and gets in your water, and you don't want yes. that to happen. Yes. Okay. So, but here, our ground is seldom frozen through the winter. Yes. Okay. So, if you put it down in January and February, it's there. And you have two ways that sap rises. And sap rises before the foliage comes out. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have translocational movement, and you have transpirational movement. Now, when the leaves are out, you have transpirational movement. Water goes out the leaves, comes in the roots, and that's a nice cycle. Mm-hmm. Okay, But for buds to swell and leaves to produce, be produced, sugars and hormones have to get into that bud, and that starts very early in the season. And it depends on what kind of tree it is. Maples... Birches, walnuts mm-hmm. start very early. And that's coming from the root system. That's moving sugars up. Mm-hmm. And what causes this is two things. One, temperature. Mm-hmm. When you get days above freezing, then it causes positive pressure in the tree. Mm-hmm. So it's pushing sap up. Okay. If it when it cools back down, the roots take in water to compensate that. They're in negative pressure, so that takes in the water mm-hmm. to replace that sap that's moved upwards. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other thing that happens is as those sugars are moving up, the cells have different concentrations of sugars. What's coming up from the roots is more sugar than what's already up there. Right. And it moves through the cells to compensate so that those mm-hmm. sugar levels are the same, and that draws sugars up through the tree, along with the hormones necessary for leaf production. And also the imidacloprid that we poured exactly. around the trunk of that. <clears throat> because we've put it down in January right. and February, it's there. Whenever the tree decides to start that mm-hmm. process, so by the time the leaves come out, you got product mm-hmm. in the tips. Yeah, right. It's yeah. all the way into the top of the tree already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, And that's where you're going to have your young scale... Okay, mm-hmm. they like to feed on the real tender stuff on mm-hmm. most plants. Now, with bark scale, they're not very particular. They'll yeah. eat on anything. Yeah. <laughs> but if you put it down in April and May on that crepe myrtle and you already got it, it's not even going to get into the trunk for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and, and not, we're not saying don't do don't that. Don't do it. It's uh, just you can get a quicker and better Control. Yeah. 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 If you do it in it January. And, and, and what we were talking about, yeah. Beta, what you were talking about, uh, it. On the tree and shrub insect drench, uh, they used to even recommend putting it down in the fall, which I still don't have a problem with it. No, it but really they don't. took that off the label. 
Um, maybe because they're again, like Jim said, you know, in the fall, a lot of parts of the United States, the ground is mm-hmm. frozen, and you don't want to use uh, this drench on frozen ground, or like Jim said, if ground is waterlogged, you want to let the ground dry up a little bit, and you want to let it thaw. But uh, even if you do it in the fall, uh, the product is still there. The roots will still absorb the product, mm-hmm. and right. it will be in the root system pushing up, like Jim was just talking about, the next spring. So I'm, I'm spraying it or drenching right around the trunk. Right. And then, of course, there's roots and the anchor roots and all of that right, right there. So those anchor roots is what's absorbed. That's what's absorbed. It's and moving into that tissue. And again, it's because of that water pressure mm-hmm. difference. You know, the tree compensates for it. And keep in mind that with crepe myrtle bark scale, Another side effect is the sooty mold, Mm -hmm. you know, the black mold that gets on the trunks, the limbs, and everything under these crepe myrtles. Yes. And and I've seen pictures where, I mean, under the crepe myrtle, it is just pitch black Mm -hmm. uh, because of sooty mold. Shrubs are covered with the blackness, which means they die. Right. Well, and what happens is the scales start sucking on the crepe myrtle. They give off this real sticky secretion called honeydew. Which is plant sap. Yeah, plant sap. (laughs) And anything and everything this honeydew gets on, that sooty mold starts to grow on that secretion. So the mold is only there because of the insects. Right, right. And it's really hard to clean off, too. Um, But you can't clean it off until you've actually cured the problem that's causing it as well. Uh, Some things that... Fertilization will help to get the tree stronger to be able to resist the issue, but you're still going to have to use a systemic on something like that. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and, and there are systemic sprays that, you know, we sell every day, mm-hmm. but in this case, you want to use the systemic drench. I'm telling you, at all the research and everything you read, you can spray, but you still need to use it in a drench form to get rid of that crate myrtle well, bark. There's just no, <clears throat> no way that with a spray you can get Every inch of that tree. You just can't yeah. do it. Because you like got to spray high, right. and then you, you're worried about that because you don't want the o- overspray back on you. I was say about the cherry tree that has a scale on it, and I was wondering if uh, this coldness was going to kill the scale. So did it or did Probably it not? not? We'll be right back. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. So, fight root rot yeah, with diapers good. and sponges. Hold on, say Excuse that me? again. This, this said, is a morning garden show. Back up here. Right, I said fight root rot with diapers and sponges. This wonderful article that I read Mm. said, if you have trouble with your soil draining or if you have trouble with things that have root rot, just put a sponge in the bottom because it'll soak up all the water (laughs) and then release it when needed. And the same with the diaper. Because the diaper's got the water crystals in there. So I thought I'd throw that out there. That would be a good topic for discussion. A clean diaper, by the way. It would be so good if writers were required to be horticultural. I know. Hey, if you put a dirty diaper in there, then you get Get organic matter. Y'all are are taking this a little too far. I saw saw one on the Tennessee um, Master Gardener's discussion group yesterday. A uh, dirty diaper? A, no, it was oh. a way to keep your keep your hands from 
touching your face and transmitting mm-hmm. the thing, is holding a big chunk of cow manure and you rub it and said that you won't touch your face it? you know uh <laughs> people will keep their distance from you yeah there <laughs> you, you know that works. made all the things well, works. put a po- some plant tone in your pockets because <laughs> that smells very organic but on that note i mean there are water crystals remember when they mm-hmm. first came out on the market yeah. you yeah. know 20 years the ago moist. and, and, and yeah. people overdid them every time they used them and they had this jello gel looking mm-hmm. gelatin clear just falling out of their pots but it's a crystal that you can buy <laughs> yeah and you it just can, went yeah and you, you got can, it wet <laughs> yes and you can add it to your soil and what it does it absorbs excessive moisture okay and it also is a water supply for that soil when you're not mm-hmm. watering like you should or if you're out of town for a week or whatever okay so you do it you fertilize say you use a synthetic fertilizer or maybe even an organic fertilizer and those water crystals soak up the water in the fertilizer. Well, so does it ever? I've heard it could cause burn because everything dries out and then the moisture is released along with that fertilizer. No, I, I mean, I don't know. No. I mean, I've never heard of that, but I know now that you can buy water crystals that had mycorrhiza embedded mm-hmm. in it, you know, which is a beneficial fungi. And then a lot of your high quality potting soils actually yeah. have some type of water I'm not a holding material it. in it. Now, I'm not like saying it. it's the same crystal that you mm-hmm. buy, you know, the water crystals, but it's got, um, even some of them have organic uh, water holding materials uh, mm. in, the, in the soil. So, you know, when it comes to water, it's a big deal. When it comes to potting soils, it's a big deal because some of them hold way too much water mm-hmm. and some of them don't hold any water at all. Right. Water runs right through them. And that's why we always talk about use a high quality potting soil because it actually holds some moisture, mm-hmm. but at the same time it drains. Right. Okay, so so I'm here's a gem. These are for you too. Um, well, I'm not a fan of it very much using it because it's hard for me to control it. And, and I don't mind using it, but I'm just telling people don't overdo yeah. it. So, Jim, is soil moist the same thing that are in baby diapers? Yes, it is. That's what yeah. I thought. It holds moisture. So, oh, so you're putting a diaper. <laughs> well, let's just get soil. Well, this. Actually, this was on a, uh, what I was reading was the article of other options, so you didn't have to go buy stuff. <laughs> but when I saw that title, I said, wait a minute, root rot with uh, diapers and sponges? And remember what Jim said <laughs> about using gravel in the bottom of containers? Mm-hmm. Let's say if you used a sponge in the bottom of your pot and you had a house plant in yeah. it. You're still pushing the, soil le- uh, the water level up, Jim, right, with a sponge. Yeah, but the sponge is not going to do what it sounds like it's going to do. No, no. Okay, hey, you're was, wasting your time. Yeah. You're burying a sponge for no reason. I was yeah. trying to play that out of my head too, and I'm yeah, going, the, no, I don't you know, get when it. you're talking about the small particles of the soil and the big holes in the sponge, yeah, you're not going to get that much. You're, what you will do is, if you overwater, it'll absorb a good bit in the bottom, and it'll stay there until the sponge dries out. Yeah, you know. Yeah, most of yeah, your roots though are. Usually up at the top of the, mm-hmm. the pot, if you're watering properly, or you know, if they're at the bottom of the pot, you should have repotted already, yeah. you know. So, yeah, that repotting, I know. And, and like, yeah, said, I'm, not, I'm not a big font, a fan of the soil moist yeah. either. Um, I, well, I've heard I have people... seen sometimes where it works, you know, back when it first came out years ago, we did some pots down at Overton Square yeah. that. There were, nobody was going to water them. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't going to happen. We put lantana in them, and we put the soil water crystals in there. In it, yeah. And it seemed to help. They mm-hmm. they 
you know, did okay. Right. And I don't know whether it was that season, they got enough rain, mm-hmm. or whether the soil moist yeah. actually helped. Well, yeah. But they didn't die, you yeah. know. So. And, and I don't mind it, but I just, then again, I just want to, you know, warn people. You know, everybody overdoes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like I said, you just get this, you know, this gelatin glob in there. You don't, a little bit goes a long way when it comes to these water crystals. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, the way that you read it and think about it is, um, you feel like you can really water less. So people are saying, oh, well, I have that soil moist, so I don't have to water right now. Yeah, and but I'm, it's not working like that either. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I, I do see people use them in hay racks and, and mm-hmm. uh, in pots like Jim's talking hanging about. Baskets, it's, it's hanging baskets, yeah. especially these, you know, that are in the sun where, you know, we do tend to, you know, uh, not water right. like we should. Well, and it, I always say I just use really good, rich organic matter so it can hold the moisture properly and mm. release it properly. That's the other way so to do it. So they were probably mm. doing the soil moist when we were using uh, not the best mixture of potting soil as well. Well, it's like I said, you know, a good potting soil is one that holds moisture, but at the same time drains. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, you know, we've all been through potting soils where... I mean, you open the bag and you dump it out, and it's like dust. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nothing really. And then we've also opened the bag and dumped it out, and it's got nothing but bark in it. You know, yeah. that holds way too much uh, water. So a good high quality potting soil goes a long way. And we've said this a million times. You go out and buy the best plants you can find. You find the prettiest pot that you can find. Okay. Yet you don't spend yes. more than ten cents on the potting soil that goes in the pot to grow the plant. It doesn't make any sense. You know the easiest people for me to sell these qual- these good quality potting soils that are all organic and mix well are the younger generation mm-hmm. because they have a different thought process than what we had mm-hmm. coming up with I mean everything we try to grow everything time. in topsoil you right know? yeah tell, and tell me how many different potting soils do you have in that Monrovia line I have one I have an indoor potting soil and an outdoor potting soil See, and that's a point one soil doesn't always fit all plants that's right you know, and even with the very best potting soil, you may have to amend it. So you mm-hmm. need to know a little bit about the plant. Yes, you know, yes. Uh, putting an a uh, an aloe mm-hmm. in the same thing as a, a f- table fern yeah. is not going yeah. to get the best results. Yeah, it'll you know. work, but best results. Best results. Yeah. Yes. Right. Is which we won't because we need every secret we can have. See, we have two potting soils, but then. The amendments for the soil, there's three or four Mm -hmm. because there's different situations that you want to use those. And they're different. They really are. And garden soil is different from potting soil, by the way. Yes. Thought we'd clarify that. Wow. We've already done one hour. Jim, what you got for the second hour? Well, we're going to talk about uh, lawn weed control, kind of a full season program on how to fertilize and when to fertilize and when to weed kill. Awesome. Lawn time. We'll be right back. garden help you need from three of the top experts in the mid-south grown by your friends at dan west garden center for details on how you can start home growing visit danwestonline.com now mid-south gardening on the mighty 990 with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning welcome back to the second hour of mid-south gardening i'm veda with Claudio. 
We have Kenneth with Dan West and Jim. He does the Mid-South Gardening Zone 6, 7, and 8 Facebook page. Yes, he does. Does a good job. I mean, you can give us a call this morning, 260-5926, 260-5926. And guys, I was uh, making a comment a while ago about, you know, this time of year, the garden centers are just getting all this stuff in, the hard line stuff, concrete, pottery, merchandise to go on shelves. I mean, we're getting stocked up, mulches, soils, everything in between. And I'm telling you, I made the comment about telling Jim and Veda here that, you know, we were putting concrete containers and pots uh, where they belong, of course. And it, it almost mystified me, baffled me why some of this concrete that's only been there for, what, 10 days, two weeks, was full of water. Well, yeah, we've you mean had like some, the concrete pots? Yeah, the concrete yeah. pots. And we've had rain, okay? Mm-hmm. But, you know, these concrete pots have drainage holes in the bottom of them. Yeah. So how are they full of water? (laughs) Because I'm telling you, they're sitting so flush on the asphalt that the thing fills up with water. And that's a good lesson to be learned when you have containers, especially if they're sitting on something solid and flat. Even if you've got a hole in the bottom of that thing, Mm -hmm. they need to be up on a pot foot or elevated or something to let that water drain out. And it's not like, y'all, these holes were plugged. Yeah. They were just sitting so flush on this hard surface that it was holding water like a bowl, I'm telling you. And it even does it in soil, too, a lot of times. The container sits there a long time. The soil becomes real flat and compacted. And then soil plugs in the hole, and it can't get through that compact hard soil so then you have the same thing i would say 99 percent of the times i've ever went out to a place that had issues with their containers and sometimes it would be two exact things and this one's great and this one isn't and i'd flip it sideways and and put a stick in there and water just pours out like a dam right and how many times you know you get these beautiful concrete or whatever urns and put them up there by your front door under their you know the porch and you got some boxwoods and ivy and all this stuff in there and they look Mm -hmm. great well, a little down the road, for some reason, they don't look so good. And a lot of times, you know, we say, well, it's from a lack of water or mm-hmm. it's from too much water. Typically, it's water-related. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, like you said, Veda, people are watering, and the water is just not draining like it should. I mean, so the things are drowning. You don't know it because the water's down in the pot. Yeah. You, you can't you, see right, it. Right, right. Uh, but you start uh, you start looking at it and looking at the drainage, it's just staying way too wet. Yeah, so. a lot of times I've seen, you know, particularly plants like boxwoods where the roots have actually followed the water down and clogged the hole mm-hmm. with the roots so the water can't get out. And, 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 I don't and then mind. it builds up, and, and the roots start dying, and the plant starts looking bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I don't mind a little secret getting like a coffee filter mm-hmm. and laying it down uh, before I put my soil in because yeah. that will keep the hole from plugging up from the soil that you put in the container. wonder how long it takes a coffee filter to compost. I don't know, but it, uh, initially it will keep that mm-hmm. uh, thing from plugging up. Yes, though, right, because you, know? <laughs> you usually move it by I'm then. I'm still old school. I look for a big rock yeah. well, <laughs> even and put the bottom. Yeah, that will work. And even a little piece of landscape fabric, any kind of fabric you can mm-hmm. lay down yes. in there. And you Something to let hold the soil in and keep the vermins out well you know what i've discovered because you might you use a big rock um we and uh but like a lot of these new younger people that are coming into garden and they're doing a lot of house plants and patio plants and all they don't have anything to choose from to put in that but like they don't have a rock they don't have any broken shards 
And we sell these discs that you put in the bottom and it keeps the hole from plugging and it's kind of got little nodules in it or little balls in it that kind of keeps it up. They're really into using those. Well, it makes a difference. It really does. For When me, when I was like, why would I even order that? I'm just going to use a rock. But now it's. I'm also learning that the younger people, they want to get everything that goes with this one thing. Yeah. Because they don't have anything to garden with. So it's kind of like I'm thinking in a different dimension for these younger gardens. Well, but drainage is a big deal. That's why I brought that up. And you might think, you know, hey, I've got a big hole in the bottom of this pot, so I know I'm going to get good drainage because you're doing everything else that you're supposed to. And you just don't have this thing propped up on some pot feet or something you might be a little surprised how much how much water these containers can hold, I'm telling you. Well, we just, have a, just because of that. Right. Y'all got to give us a call, 2605-926. You can also ask questions on our Facebook page. And um, we're going to talk about, what, lawn care? Yeah, and we were going to talk about lawn care. Yeah, because we're, we're rapidly approaching that time when people want to be back outside and the grass starts growing. So right. I thought we would talk a little bit about timing. Um, first, let's talk about fertilizer. Of course, Kenneth covered earlier how the important getting the pH is up around six and a half to seven. Right. And so you need to check it at least every other year. And, you know, most garden centers will do it for free. Just right. take them a sample. Um, but the lime is really important. And then the fertilizer, you know, depends on the type of grass you have. But Bermuda is the heaviest feeder of all. And to have a really good Bermuda lawn... Mm-hmm. You need to feed it heavily, and that's about once a month. Even if you're using a slow-release fertilizer, some of it has some quick release, but you want that fertilizer present and available for that grass. And most of your lawn foods are going to have both quick-release and a slow-release nitrogen in there. Uh, But it's important to keep doing that. And with with, uh, Bermuda grass, you start April and then all the way till September or so. And then I like to put a little extra dose of... of, uh, potassium on in the fall just if seen that it helps particularly in zoysia it helps um, harden up that yeah yeah, and and helps prevent fungal issues during the winter like a zero 2020 or or a 10 zero 14 a winterizer yeah or zero zero 60 yeah something like that yeah um so but do it religiously now um fescue of course you're only going to fertilize twice a year spring and fall right that's it okay uh with zoysia it's uh, it, it can use the monthly feedings, but it really only needs about a half as much fertilizer to get the same results. You can fertilize at yes. the same rate and mow more. Okay, yeah. that's your choice. But one of the reasons I like to back off the fertilizer is because, uh, particularly if you're um, mulching the grass as you're going, zoysia is very high, has a very high silica content and doesn't biodegrade well particularly when it's sitting in your lawn, and you'll get this dead grass down in there that, you know, it's not really thatch, it's cuttings. But 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 that's why it's really important to cut your zoysia when it needs it, because right. you're only cutting a little bit off of the blade when you do cut it, and you're not cutting a big piece off that's the blade. That's right. If you're using like a mulching more and not bagging the material. Right. And with Bermuda, that the mowing schedule should be about every four days. I mean, otherwise, when you <laughs> cut on Saturday... You're going to see browning the next morning, mm-hmm. and that's because you've cut back into stems. It grows so fast, yeah. you know. How often do they cut it on, on golf courses? Every day. Every day, yeah. okay, to prevent that browning and have that. So uh, fertilizing is 
most important thing you're going to do for a good turf and getting mowing with a good sharp blade so yeah. it doesn't get ragged and doing it as often as you can stand it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about herbicides, the weeds that are going, and the best way to approach them. Okay? Yeah. So you're listening to Mid-South Gardening right here on KWAM. Is it time to go to the break? I can't see the producer. <laughs> <laughs> Alan's okay. shaking his head yes. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. To Mid South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning, Mid South Gardeners. Welcome back to Mid South Gardening. And um, we were in the topic of lawn care. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how important it is to put the lime down, if mm-hmm. need be, to get the pH up between, you know, 6268, 6.5 being ideal. And then Jim was talking about uh, the importance of feeding your lawn and how often, you know, that you need to feed. And then you made a comment, Jim, about cutting the lawn. That's a, a when you need to cut your grass. That's a big deal. And um, then you were fixing to get into the weed killing side of it. Yeah. Of course, you know, you've heard us talk about <clears throat> pre-emerges here forever. And we're going to continue to talk about it because it's the best way to control your weeds. Once you're on that program for a year, you'll have very, very few weeds, Mm -hmm. okay? And I like to use a four times a year approach. One late February, early March, one in May, one in September, and then another one in December. Mm -hmm. That way you've got that chemical barrier down 12 months out of the year, and any weed seed that germinates, so as that feeder root comes out, it hits that chemical and it dies. Now, it will take you a year to get rid of some of your perennial weeds, like dandelions. When you see them in bloom, they've already been there a year. Right. Okay, They're a biennial. And nutgrass, some of it's perennial. A lot of it that you see, particularly if you have water running through the area, is an annual one. And it's going to come back every year unless you put something down to help prevent that. And now is the time to put a pre-emergent down. Now is the time. Because the big thing that we face here in the Mid-South is crabgrass. That's the one that most people want. And then later on we get goosegrass and some of those things. And that's why we like to put down a May application. The amount of water that you get over that 90 days will determine really how long that pre-emerge will last. Because typically, I mean, you figure they're going to last about three months after you put it down. It could last longer. Yes. Okay. And if you put it down heavier, the nice thing about dimension is it will last longer. Okay. But when you get that longer Mm. control, you miss some of those prime times that you really need to reapply. So you're figuring, Jim, three-month intervals three or month, less. Three-month yeah. intervals is the best application. And the reason we personally, I think all mm. three of us like Dimension, is you're going to put it on your flower beds as well. Right. Okay. So 
Now, if you've got wildflowers coming up, not a good idea. Okay? It stops them. <laughs> if you want to put zinnias down later on, Don't not a good idea. It. That's right. But it, but it is a pre-emergent that you can apply to your lawn. Predominantly, that's where people use it. But you can also apply it to your beds like you're talking about. Well, back yeah. in the old days, you had to get one for the lawn, mm-hmm. one for the beds. This one you and can put And then you had everywhere. to be careful not to let this one get over right. in the bed. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, also, if you're going to seed fescue, you can't put pre-emergent right. down. Or Bermuda, no pre-emergent. Right. Mm-hmm. right. You're going to need at least. 90 days sometimes you can get away with 60 but you you want to wait okay <laughs> not put any of that down if you plan to seed uh in particular with bermuda grass because you don't want to seed bermuda till at least may 1st okay yeah. you need good warm temperature. right and then you don't really want to seed it much after july 1st because it may not mm-hmm. have enough time to get established to get it through the winter but sometimes it is, you know, but yeah. like golf courses, they don't ever seed. They sprig yeah. you know, or saw it to get mm-hmm. the results they want because under the pressure that they're doing, it's not, it won't survive by yeah. seeding. Yeah. So uh, anyway, right. so get on the pre-emerge program. It's your cheapest route. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Easiest for, too. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, for an average home lawn. For under a hundred bucks a year, you're done. And and typically, you know, the pre-emergence dimension is the one we're talking about. Uh, comes in a twelve pound bag and a thirty-six pound bag. A twelve pound bag is going to cover about three thousand square feet. Uh, the thirty-six mm-hmm. pound bag is going to cover about nine thousand square feet. And like kind of a yard's about five thousand. Typically, Mine's about twenty-five hundred. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, and I live on a corner lot. Yeah, yeah of course, because you've you know, got a lot of landscaping. I, I got a lot of flower beds. Right? So yeah. that's only going to control the weed seed before. Before it comes right. up, then and you have the stuff that's come that's either already there or you missed an application. Yeah. Okay. And basically, we have three types of weeds that you're going to address: nut sedge. We call it nut grass. It's not really a grass. Mm-hmm. We have grasses like crabgrass, goosegrass, that and looks then we like have grass. broadleaf weeds, things that have little flowers on them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and each of those use typically different herbicides right. to kill them. And we're lucky now we have some that are a combination of both. Right. And we have some that are wider spectrum than we ever had in the past. So anyway, the broadleaf weeds are the things that you're beginning to see now. Now, the application you're putting down now doesn't help those, okay? They're up. You should have put one back in December you're, and September. You're the pre-emergent. Right, yeah. to, to stop annual bluegrass and the things that you're seeing now. So for the broadleaf weeds, you want to use something that has preferably Trimec and Carventrazone, okay? that's There's basically four herbicides in there, and they cover a wide range and a wide temperature range, yeah. okay? So they work best because they are plant hormones. They actually stimulate the plant to grow. They were developed for the military as a defoliant, okay, back yeah. in the 40s or so. So this technology was taken, and it's diluted way down, and it's kind of like a super fertilizer okay, yeah. for, for them. They grow so rapidly that the water system inside the plant ruptures, and the plant withers and dies. That's crazy. It yeah. is, but that's the way that they work. If you get a heavy rain after spraying on broadleaf weed killer the day before, your grass is going to, your weeds are going to grow like mimi. Okay. Yeah, that, You're going to have why, to replant, redo that's it. That's why you hear people say, I, I put this weed killer down and I swear it made my weeds grow. Exactly. You know, you got follow read instructions. So no rain for at least 24 hours at after least, you apply that I like, right. you know, I like 48 yeah, hours. I'm yeah. more happier with that. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So. 
Those are going to take care of the hen bit, the dead nettle, the purple flowers you see the now, clover, the wild kind of onions. Okay, it's going to get all this. Right. Then you have the grassy type weeds. You know, for years we had MSMA, wonderful product. Love you know, it. bad science took it off the market. Yep. We won't go there today because it pisses me off. Sorry if I'm not supposed to say that. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but MSMA was a great product. It You're was, right. but now we have you know products that are like um, Quinclorac, which mm-hmm. will kill crabgrass, particularly in its early stage, and it will stress it other times. And then you have products like Image that will work on it when it's a little more mature. Yeah. So those, and and we always recommend with any of these products that you just spot spray, okay? It's best to mix it up in your tank sprayer, walk around, and just spray the weeds. Because why on earth would you want to put herbicide down, particularly if you have trees in root zones where there are no weeds? Yeah. I mean, you know. Duh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we're not, you don't have to spray yeah. your whole lawn. You're no. typically just spraying where the weeds right. are. Pre-emerge, you do the whole lawn, okay? Shade, sun, whatever, yeah. okay? But with the post-emerge, you just want to go in there and spot spray and kill those weeds. So you're okay. saying if you use a pre-emergent the way you should, and you use post-emergence to kill weeds that are actively growing the way you should and when you should, mostly as a spot treat only, and you feed the way you were talking about a while ago, and you cut the way you should, you're going to have a golf course grade long. There's no reason that you that you you can't. Absolutely. Hmm. So um, and the pH. I want to. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to go to the organic side. When I moved into this new neighborhood, we were all new homes, and so everyone had all new Bermuda grass. So of course, sitting I'm, on sitting on top of soil that you'd have no idea how far it's been scraped yes. down, and it, it, you know usually you just don't even know exactly. what's happening. Well, this was right at the time I had practiced organics, but I'd never done an organic lawn because the science said that it was impossible to do, and so I'm going to try it and see if I can accomplish it. The products that I used were corn gluten meal, the Espoma lawn food. The um, it was the liquid fertilizer at the time, soil soup, I mm-hmm. believe, and uh, so I ju- I kept a the proper schedule. Did the corn gluten meal four times a and year, and you did that did as a not only as a fertilizer but as an organic pre emergent, right? Yeah, as an organic pre emergent. So then my other neighbor across the street, he used um, a fast acting nitrogen fertilizer. And then my neighbor next to me really didn't use anything. Eh, he might fertilize this time. He might fertilize that time. Well, at the middle of summer, my grass was really thick and beautiful, and the kids would come play in my lawn. I only had to water once a week and mow once a week because I had the I didn't overwater. I had the the right amount of fertilizer, so everything would kind of grow slowly. Now my neighbor's lawn beautiful green but his grass grew so much they actually had to buy two lawnmowers my kind of man to bail it <laughs> so uh when he mowed it it was brown but when i mowed my lawn never had a brown time it was always green now the neighbor that did and he also sprayed roundup constantly on his fence constantly on his fence line well that little fence line of soil was just compact and dead the rest of his lawn was okay but he was only fertilizing a couple of times oh i did the lime too so in that experience, I was the one that was mowing less and watering less, and my lawn was so thick and green. 
So I accomplished it but with doing organic. It is. It's not against science. And uh, it, but when we first started, like 25 years ago, I remember I was at Texas A&M, and they go, ah, "That's not gonna work," you know, because colleges are backed by chemical companies. And you were living proof that it did. We'll be right back. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back. We have a few questions. Um, One I wanted to address real quick. Pam Green was wondering, she wanted the lawn care schedule. So you can go to Mid-South Gardening on Zone 6, 7, and 8. Look on the Facebook page. Go to files. Uh, Do you have one up there's yet? There's wall shade grasses. I don't mm-hmm. know that I've put the warm season grasses up there, but I will do it mm-hmm. in a day or two. Okay. If yeah. It's not so there. check out the Facebook page, and um, then you, you have a question, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, and also at Dan mm-hmm. West on Poplar, you know, we typically have some printouts of lawn mm-hmm. maintenance, whether it's a well, shady good. lawn or Bermuda and Zoysia lawn. And it gives you the dates, uh, mm-hmm. kind of what we've been talking about, and you know you can kind of go by mm-hmm. that if you're if you're wanting a um, you know a schedule. Um, Wendy Johnson texted in on Facebook. She said, "What well, what post emergent do you recommend?" Well, that's kind of a trick question because it depends on the type of weeds you're trying to kill. Uh, and like Jim was saying a while ago, a really good broadleaf weed killer that kills nothing but broadleaf weeds, a weed that has mm-hmm. a little leaf and blooms on it. Um, weed uh, free flowers, yeah, little flowers, yeah, the yeah. flowers, which includes you're killing onions. the flowers. Well, th- but it's coming from, yeah. the, from the weed, remember? <laughs> so we can't forget that. Oh, the weed with the yeah. flowers, <laughs> it's um, you know, anything that has trimac or care for the zone, uh, weed beater ultra, weed free zone, weed out, you know, mm-hmm. just one of those really good, and I like weed free zone. Uh, but a just a really good broadleaf weed killer is going to kill broadleaf weeds. Uh, there's a product called Weed Out with Crabgrass Killer. That is a product that has uh, a Trimac in it, which is a broadleaf weed killer, and it has the quinchloric in it that's going to kill, you know, the grassy-type weeds. So it kills broadleaf weeds and grassy weeds. And then there's another product, you know, how we've been talking about Image all morning. Uh, Image has a product called Image All-in-One. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yay! Image All-in-One, <laughs> which is different from just Image, uh, kills also a lot of broadleaf weeds and grassy type weeds. So, uh, Wendy, it just depends on whether you're trying to kill broadleaf weeds, whether you're trying to kill grassy type weeds, or whether you're mm-hmm. trying to kill both. But those weed killers that I just mentioned are great products, uh, and they'll they'll do mm-hmm. that. But do read and follow the instructions because some of those have temperature restrictions, mm-hmm. and they're important. Okay, you don't want to spray a broadleaf weed killer when it's 90 degrees outside. Right, right. It may not hurt your shrubs, but somebody down the street may get theirs dead. (laughs) Yeah. Because it does really weird stuff in the wind. Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially when it's hot. Uh, Stuff will kind of vaporize and volatilize Mm -hmm. and kind of float down the street and get on everything else. So you're right. Incredible, incredible. You know, the thing about the weeds, the flowers, I think... I have a different view on it because it reminds me of growing up in the country, coming out in the spring and you're smelling the wild onions that were cut. You're running to the clover patch and looking for four-leaf clovers and making your clover necklace. You see the beautiful field of hen bit. 
And that feeling is just so wonderful to think about all those things. And all those things we're killing with uh, weed killers, which seems to take the joy out of things. Well, and I don't but mind seeing them, but that's for you. Yeah. Right. I say that's for me. Yeah. But I and hear but what I'm you're saying. saying. That, that I'm just letting people know it's okay if you don't kill sure those weeds. It is. Absolutely. It's really okay. But at the same time, Dad had a very nice Bermuda lawn that we sprigged. Mm-hmm. And yes, he used urea on it, mm-hmm. that fast-acting <laughs> fertilizer. Which I love. And you I'm like, are you grow. doing this so I can mow every Saturday when I come out? Yeah. You know? So you don't have to kill your weeds. And and the weed blooms are good for bees and other things, too. Yeah. So maybe you could kind of meet in the middle. Well, I told you, you know? I told you this story before, Vade, and Jim, you might have heard it, that... Um, my daughter, Nicole, used to love clover because mm-hmm. it, the blooms and the fort of clovers. Well, remember that I told you the story. I was uh, walking outside uh, one summer <laughs> day. Uh, let, me, let me do your hand language. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopping. He's you know, walking like, outside. I'm, so I'm walking outside, <laughs> uh, and she was already out there, so she ambushed me with a water balloon, okay? <laughs> and it and, and hit me just square in the face, <laughs> and the water balloon blew up, okay? Uh-huh. And she turned around and started running. This is when she was young. And she ran across a patch of clover in my yard mm-hmm. that was blooming. And remember, she got stung by a bee. Yes. So I'm thinking, well, I hated that happen to her, you know, uh-huh. of course. But, you know, karma does crazy things. And I'm telling you, to this day, mm-hmm. that she used to love clover, especially yeah. when it was blooming, uh, not anymore. Yeah. You know, I always had to carry my sister through the clover patch because the same somehow she you. would get stung. I you. never did. But that goes to tell you that you're right. I mean, I was talking to a gentleman the other day that was wanting to plant some fescue uh, under some trees. And this was a pretty big area. OK. Mm-hmm. And he was thinking about just mixing fescue with clover. And right. I said, yeah, absolutely, you earlier. can. You know, mm-hmm. why not? I mean, you're talking about a natural setting out there. Uh, you know, no grass naturally grows in this shaded environment anyway. So he wasn't really just so concerned about how the grass or the grassy mm-hmm. area looked. He wanted green up under yeah. there. Right. Uh, so he was introducing clover to an mm-hmm. area like that. So it all depends on, on what really right. what you're looking for. Yeah, I'm just kind of broadening mm-hmm. our thought process on what you can because, you know, the uh, weeds, the broadleaf weeds, they go away when it gets hot. <laughs> but it's hard to deal with those beautiful patches of flowers in your beautiful patch of lawn. So either way, um, let's see. We've got Miss Gloria with the Community News. Good morning, Miss Gloria. You're in the garden. Morning, Kenneth, Jim, and Beta. How are you? Gloria, Thanks. doing so much better. Driving in this morning, you know, didn't have ice and snow everywhere. The sun's out. It's getting really good, my dear. I know. We didn't have rain. Didn't have That's rain, no. Or we're not going you, to. I was up to 3 o'clock in the morning getting rain <clears throat> off my back porch so it didn't come in the house. Oh, see, there you go. I'm telling you. So, And even driving in this morning, I made the comment that you can see a little hint of lightness. Uh, so it's not quite as dark, which means, you know, spring is right around the corner, Miss Gloria. And... Especially after a winter like we've had, you know, people just can't wait, you know, to get out there and get some stuff done. I'm telling you. I know. They're biting at the bit. Yes, ma'am. Well, I have quite a lot to tell you, but I'm going to go real fast. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Chris Cooper um, contacted me, and he wanted me to tell you all that this is extension month. 
And you need to go to shelby.tennessee.edu for more information. Okay, now that's cool. Extension month or extension week? Extension month. Oh. And that's Dr. Chris Cooper. Yeah, okay. Okay. And also, I told you great news was coming, (laughs) and I'm right. And also, the Master Gardeners are having their spring fling online this year. Mm-hmm. Spring wow. fling. I'm writing this down. And that's okay. the Memphis Area Master Gardeners. When is that, Miss Gloria? It's going to start online March 24th through the 31st. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. But now you got to realize, if, if we have bad weather or something, that that could be pushed back. I got you. So, you know, I'm right. I, I'm not saying anything's definite because botanic changed there. Right. Yeah, they went from okay. early, I think, to the latter part of the month. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, we just don't know about our weather. All right, so that's mm-hmm. March the 24th through the 31st. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And I'll let you know more information of other things that will be going on at the same time. But I wanted to tell you that botanic. Has, has pushed theirs back, mm-hmm. okay? And I've got to get more information on it, um, but it's going to be in person and online. Mm-hmm. And okay? that's the uh, Memphis Botanic Gardens, usually their uh, annual spring sale, correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. But the spring fling is only online, not you can't participate and no, go? There, it's, it's, it's all going to be on, online. Okay. Okay. And um, I ha- I don't know anything about Litterman. If you know if there's there's this change, or Dixon, but I'm going to contact them this week to find out about them. And I haven't heard anything about Tipton County. Mm-hmm. Haven't heard anything from Oakland. I'm going to try to get a hold of those two. Right. But Nashville was definitely canceled. Right. You well, know, and I figure wow. if if Nashville was canceled, Arkansas was canceled. Yeah, and you've made the okay. trip to both of those places <laughs> many times. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, but Jason Jason Reeves, he was smart. His isn't until the first weekend in May. Okay, but as okay. soon as you hear anything definitive, uh, especially with the Botanic Gardens, of course, you'll let us know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. But I'm. I just want to make sure because since they've pushed it back. You know, and we had that bad rain, mm-hmm. you know, that it hasn't gone back any farther. And, you know, I'm, I, I want, I'd I like to let everybody know all of them all at the same time. Yeah. Put it on and, it, and every time I hear about these spring sales, it always makes me think back when they used to have them early in the year. And for some reason, it would be the wettest, coldest weekend of the year. You'd have Paul Little mm-hmm. and all his dirt buddies around this 55-gallon drum you know, with wood and flames coming out of it just to stay warm. And this, you know, it, it never failed. It was always wet and cold during these spring sales, it seems like. I um, know. The Botanic Garden plant sale will be the weekend of the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th is when it's going to start. 
Um, <clears throat> now it will be online at first, and I think, and and they'll have some people coming in, but it will be predominantly. Yeah, I think there will be appointments. Um, yeah, but all that'll get finalized uh, very soon. Well, it looks yeah, like spring is that, starting, and it's time for today. us to run off to a break. So we'll be right back. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, grown by your friends at Dan West Garden Center. For details on how you can start home growing, visit danwestonline.com. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back. Welcome back. We've got a great show. <laughs> and we have some great breaks, too. Yeah, yeah it gets a little <laughs> now, funny Jim here in and the Kenneth, studio. We have known each all three for a long time. Uh, absolutely. And worked together and worked in different places, so... Y'all just got to yeah, watch it's, out. It's a motley crew up here, <laughs> no doubt about it. Got to watch out. But if you have a late question, you can still give us a call, 260-5926. That's a lake question or a, a late, late question? question. We late southern, questions, too. southern accent person. <laughs> oh, no, I know. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> so native plants. Uh, what do you I'm, mean by native plants? The ones that... Were here were, before the, anything came from Europe. Yeah, I was okay. like, "Oh, what is a native plant? Something that grows here mm-hmm. yeah. naturally." Any, anything that was already Quickly, here. Quickly though, we have native plants, and then I hear people say, "This is a native." Well, it's not really a native; it naturalized. Right. So we can still we don't really call it a native; we call it a naturalized plant. And, and I was reading know, an article about that. native plants and native flowers, and mm-hmm. in, let's say the Wolf River bottoms. You know how they're doing so much work down there with the bike paths yeah. and all that stuff. A lot of those paths are being planted and have been planted with native shrubs mm-hmm. and native flowers, whether you want to call them wildflowers or whatever. And that's just their natural setting, so they do really well once they're mm-hmm. established on a lot of these, these paths. What and really aggravates me, though, there was a picture last fall that one of our members took of a um, spider lily, a hymenocallus, that was growing along the Wolf River bottoms. Yeah. Wanted to know what it was. She went back to film it a second time, and somebody dug it up. Oh yeah, no yeah. way! I thought that was illegal. It is illegal. <laughs> yeah, why would that surprise you? Though? Yeah, but no, it's, why was it's that beyond surprised? illegal. It's just what's the pond word? scum. There we well, go. Yeah. What's the word? You know. Well, you know, one thing about plant natives are that they bring in the right type of birds that are going to go for the right type of insects that we have here. But okay, some natives now. Itia. I-T-E-A, Henry Garnet is a Henry, native. Little Henry, Henry yeah. Garnet, yeah. But, you know, they said when it first came out, cute, you know, stays together, really Loves nice. Loves to spread. But they yeah. didn't say they didn't that part. That. They, they didn't, didn't tell you that how oh, aggressive it can be. It yeah. makes me insane, and it's really frustrating it because it's a darling little plant. It's a beautiful plant. It's just not for most home lawns. Exactly. Because it does like to move around. Yeah. Now, if you've got a wooded area around a pond, um, a big area you're trying to just cover up, but we had to constantly dig it out because it was taken over. So that native... Well, okay, so I can't plant that in my That's front right. yard. It's not just <laughs> if you want to plant natives. You want to plant the right natives mm-hmm. for your location and your situation, right. right? Okay, which may eliminate a lot mm-hmm. of things. What so. about really the um, the calicarpa, the beautyberry? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, oh, that's, that's a native. A yeah, yeah, so but we you, can, again, you need some space for it. Because mm-hmm. it gets yeah. way bigger than anyone imagines. Right. 
Yeah, so space for that. And you can prune it some and keep well, it a little bit I, in check. But I, I believe to you know, shear it to the ground awesome. every Love spring it. because it buries on new wood. You mm-hmm. get your best berry production. doesn't get twiggy and ugly. Yeah. Oh, it, it makes a good plant. But there again, you're going to have to dig some of it out if you've got a small space. Yeah. Right, right. So there's that one. The uh, the one that's I don't see a whole lot offered is the strawberry bush. The Yonema, the Yonemus. Yeah, uh, Americana. Yeah, yeah, the strawberry bush. Is that the uh, hearts of bursting? Yeah, hearts mm-hmm. of bursting. I know uh, Bill Farrell has one of those in his yard, and it's just beautiful, and that's the first time I'd ever seen one. But that's not like a nice green plant that you plant at the anchor of your house. No, but you it's a, it, it is truly beautiful when you have that red berry, you know, setting in that husk. Mm-hmm. And the first time I ever saw one that was in just full beauty was I was in Alabama actually playing golf, and I, uh, I don't know if I sliced or hooked a golf ball in the woods, okay? And I went to go find my golf ball, and that's where the, I saw this uh, hearts are oh, bursting, this, uh-huh. this Uwanama shrub naturally growing yeah. uh, in the woods. And I was thinking, okay, well, maybe it's not so bad if I continue to slice and hook my golf ball. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We can it's visit like, you that. Know, in, 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 what is it? A slice, it goes to the right. Yes. Okay, a cut, it goes to the left. With Kenneth, if it goes straight, it's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when you were saying you cut the golf ball, I mean, I'm thinking in half? Yeah, no, with no. Your, yeah, so, okay, uh, natives. Oak leaf hydrangea. Yeah, native. I mean, you drive through the roads of uh, Pickwick. That's a great plant. And, and, you know, they're growing wild up there. Uh, and we do in, uh, incorporate those in our mm-hmm. in our beds here. Yeah. I do love oak leaf I hydrangeas. I do, too. One thing that I never see at garden centers, and I have finally seen it, is the bush honeysuckle. Mm-hmm. The the one that is oh, evergreen. Yeah. That's uh-huh. fantastic. Yeah, there's a Baggerson's gold, which mm-hmm. is just outstanding. The foliage is gold. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a cool looking plant when you put it where a, a, you've got a little pond or water feature where yeah. it's trickling down and plant Ooh. it beside it. Mm-hmm. It is spectacular. It's okay. a great plant. I'm going to have to look for that yeah, one look to at sell. Particularly Baggerson's Gold. It's really beautiful. Okay. Um, St. John's Wort. Yeah. I love that plant too. It's a, an herb as well, a medicinal plant. So St. John. And then I know there's probably a number of hybrids off of the native. You know, and how does that work? This is, you want the. Do you want the original to go native, or can I get some hybrids? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to- well, you'll see a lot offer too, though, that produce. They really were florist grown. They produce mm-hmm. really big berries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're beautiful, but they aren't going to perform in your garden. Yeah, you, you don't need get to those stick berries. to some of the more pr- more tried and true ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and occasionally, quite often here, they'll get killed to the ground, but yeah. they're usually root hardy and come right, right back up. I saw them at Pickwick in front of a hotel. And when I saw that, I said, okay, I'm convinced. I like St. John's Word in the first place. Okay, well, you know, it's about time to go, unfortunately. We do have a lot of native things, but we'll talk about natives, you know, every show, like we talk about weeds but, every show and moles. But that, but we just, missed moles. Yeah, we're talking about those <laughs> nasty things. But just because it's native and it naturally grows here in Tennessee, depending on what part of Tennessee you live in, Still doesn't mean it's the best plant, like we talked about, to have mm-hmm. actually in your landscape. A wooded area, a natural area, some of them are wonderful. Right. A manicured area, some of them not so much. Well, we'll help you out with that and so much more. You can find me at Palladio, Kenneth at Dan West, and Jim, Mid-South Gardening Zone 6, 7, and 8 on Facebook. We will see you next weekend in the garden. Take care.